We are Victim of Illusion, you are listening to the tall, friendly, Atheist Dead podcast. And the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. Hey there, sorry to interrupt. Did you know you can now support the podcast on Patreon? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash TFADpod, where your monthly donations will help support what I do in producing enjoyable and thought-provoking material. Thank you. In this episode of the podcast, I want to take you through a particular passage in Acts that I believe highlights why Acts makes much more sense as an extension of Jewish theology rather than as a literal recounting of history. The Ascension of Jesus in Acts, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So, what happened to Jesus after he ascended? Now, I posit that the author of this passage wrote this as mythology, symbolism, theology, fiction, whatever word you want to use, and for a few reasons. 1. At least one school of ancient Jewish thought believed that the lowest levels of heaven started at the velon, or curtain, allowing the sun to come and go. And then up to the rakia, which is either the space between the atmosphere and the moon, or the level where the sun, moon and stars are fixed. And then you rise up and up the levels until you reach Arabot, which is where God has his throne. 2. Jesus wouldn't have survived the altitude sickness induced by being situated thousands of feet up without either of gradual acclimation or a protective suit. 3. People can't survive open space without a suit. The lack of oxygen, the lack of pressure, and the bombardment of radiation 
would ensure that as soon as Jesus left Earth's orbit, he would have died from asphyxiation. And four, you won't be able to resolve the above problems without resorting to magic. Any attempt to counter the above problems by invoking magic or miracles or supernatural mechanisms then opens the door to any far-fetched explanation. Because once you shoehorn magic in as an explanation for one thing, you can, and you may as well, then shoehorn magic in as an explanation for anything, no matter the contrary evidence. Verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. Now, the Jews of the time didn't know that the sun, the moon, and stars are all kajillions of kilometers away. In the ancient Jewish belief, the sun, moon, and stars were all fixed in a particular layer that sat above the earth as part of a multi-layered stack of heavens, which I alluded to before. The layer that contains what we see above the clouds is called rakia, a word translated as firmament in English Bibles, and the impression this word is meant to give is of a piece of metal that has been beaten and shaped, ostensibly to a dome that then covers the earth. This is what we see in Genesis 1, where it says that God created the firmament to separate the waters under the firmament from the waters above the firmament. Even as recently as the 1906 Jewish Encyclopedia, the upper waters were shut up in the heavens. And then we see in Genesis 1, 16-17, God set the moon and sun in the firmament to give light upon the earth. And given that at that time, the advance of science hadn't yet come, there was no logical reason to think that space is as vast and as empty as it actually is. So when Jesus ascended, it was obviously to go to the upper levels of heaven, which were situated above the earth. The problem? We've sent rockets, probes, satellites, and more. And once we got above the clouds, we saw there was no heaven. Science blew the ancient cosmology of the Hebrews, the Muslims, the Babylonians, and anyone else out of the water. Au contraire, you say. The Jews only meant all that poetically, or as a metaphor. But the problem? How do you determine what is poetic or metaphor against what is literal? If your method of determining that is simply that a literal reading makes no sense, then you are implementing personal bias into the argument. Au contraire, you say. The sun, the moon, and the stars are all in one big heaven. It just happens to be that the heaven that contains the sun, the moon, and the stars 
is really, 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 really big. Jesus went to a heaven that lies beyond them. The problem? So let's say that the upper layers of heaven that Jesus went to are outside of our observable universe. Given that we know that the universe is expanding, this would place them at an absolute minimum 6,000 light years away, if we take a strict literalist view. But Jesus rose up 2,000 years ago. So for Jesus to travel the 6,000 light years to the edge of the universe in the span of less than 2,000 years means that he would have had to travel at least three times the speed of light. But this violates relativity. No object with mass can travel faster than the speed of light. Are you suggesting that Jesus has no mass? Au contraire, you say. Jesus teleported, or a miracle happened, or something. But then the problem? You've just invoked magic. And once you invoke magic, we're not basing our reasoning on rational arguments anymore, but on escape hatches that keep you comfortable in your theology. So what could have happened to Jesus' body after he ascended? Now, we have to assume here that Jesus had a body. Modern Protestantism states that Jesus both died and resurrected in bodily human form. And it was those heretical sects that state that Jesus was merely spirit or looked like a person, which is docetism. We also know that Jesus is not able to stave off death or imminent injury. At no stage during the Gospels does it state that Jesus is invincible or impervious to pain or able to withstand forces that would kill a normal person. Jesus just died merely a few weeks ago at the resurrection. So we know Jesus is indeed able to die. So, Acts states that Jesus' body rose up into the sky and clouds hid him from their sight. Given this, we can safely assume that it wasn't raining, and therefore the clouds that hid him weren't rain clouds, ruling out cumulonimbus clouds, stratus and nimbostratus. Which means the clouds that could have hidden Jesus would most likely have been cumulus or stratocumulus, though possibly even cirrostratus, even though cirrostratus clouds are more thin and wispy and not really enough to hide someone. Cumulus clouds typically sit at about 2,000 metres or 6,000 feet. Stratocumulus considers high as about 7,000 feet. So let's say for argument's sake, that Jesus rose to 8,000 feet before clouds came and covered his exit. Now, we know that the higher an altitude a person is, the less oxygen they have to breathe, which means that Jesus would have begun getting altitude sickness. Altitude sickness can kick in 
at approximately 6,000 feet. We also know that the higher up you go, the colder it is as well. So not only would Jesus have suffered from the lack of oxygen and eventually suffer from hypoxia, but he would have also shivered. Further, the lack of air pressure higher up in the atmosphere would have induced nausea and fatigue. Au contraire, you say? He's the son of God and is able to overcome these things. The problem? This, again, invokes magic. So the mere fact that we have to keep on invoking magic or supernaturalism to keep what the Bible says to be literally true is a strong indication that the Bible is not literally true. Which only leaves us with two other options. One, the gospel writers were trying to write the truth, but got things completely wrong. Or two, the gospel writers weren't even trying to write the truth, nor were they trying to write an historical account of what actually happened. They were writing an account to transmit religio-cultural values, which, in other words, is mythology. Think about it. 